0: You're listening to the Self-Made is a Myth, Make a Difference Together show with your host, Coach Tim Campsall, where we talk with successful business owners to hear the stories of their journeys in building their successful businesses. And more importantly, we recognize the folks who helped them excel because we know that achieving business success is not something we can do on our own.
1: Hello everyone. this is coach Tim Campbell, and I'm excited to have a fellow business owner from Indiana with us today. My guest is one of the most introverted people for being in the role that re- that he is in that requires him to be an extrovert. So we'll uh, learn a little bit more about that here in a in a minute. In his downtime, he enjoys staying active with things like hiking and and walking and jogging and is a, uh, a vegetable garden connoisseur. So I, I have a vegetable garden too. So I want to learn about that, Tom. Um, in his, in his uh, he is most proud of, sorry, uh, of his team and the things that him, uh, his team and and the business have been able to accomplish in terms of projects that have created sustainable impacts across the nation. It's my pleasure to welcome Tom to the show today. Hello, Tom. Hey, Tim. Nice to be here. Look
0: forward to the discussion.
1: Well, hey, let's start with having you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit of your personal story, like where you were born and live and about your family.
0: Well, uh, uh, born and bred here in Indiana, lifelong uh, Hoosier, as they call it, and uh uh been very blessed uh, to uh, have uh, uh, a blended family, three children of my own, um, and uh, uh, my uh, my wife, Marcianne, has uh, three of her own, and we now have... Uh, I think 13 grandchildren between the whole group. So it's quite an extended family. And uh, but uh, it's uh, most of them are not too far away. So we're able to keep in touch.
1: Well, that's fantastic. Congratulations on all the grandbabies. That's cool. So hey, tell me a little bit more about vegetable garden. I have a vegetable garden too. So I love chatting with people who have one. What, what, uh, what got you into that?
0: Well, as you know, we have a lot of flat ground here in Indiana, so uh, uh, I uh, long ago uh, used to, I learned gardening from my father, and uh, uh, I've kind of kept at it. Uh, I've had to cut back here and there a little bit through the years, but uh, uh, I guess I consider myself, uh, you know, I plant all kinds of things, broccoli, tomatoes, green beans, and all that, but uh, uh, heirloom tomatoes might be my, uh, my, my specialty, so to speak. Fantastic. And how long have you been doing that? Oh, gosh, I don't know. 20 20 some odd years. I've lost track, as I said. I'm now in uh, uh, garden beds, and so uh, I've reduced, uh, and that's caused me to be a little more efficient and productive, let's
1: say. (laughs) Isn't it interesting with uh, vegetable garden that we can seemingly do the exact same thing every year, but something... At least I've found something always goes wrong. Something always just doesn't seem to do as well as it did the year before. <laughs> I know. Just when
0: you think you have it perfected, then uh, you get a bad broccoli crop. and, and even <laughs> Same thing. So weather obviously impacts it. And I suppose fertilizer and bugs and all kinds of things. Yeah. So, uh, so,
1: Tom, is there a funny story that your family likes to tell about you that you'd be willing to share with us today?
0: Well, uh golly, there's a, there's a lot. Um I uh uh the uh I guess one story that just pops to mind, my first wife that had my three children unfortunately passed away uh number quite a number of years ago uh from uh, uh breast cancer and uh, my kids uh I'm not sure I'm proud of this comment but they they like to tell stories of being stranded at uh various Practices or school events that they were attending, and those were pre-pre smartphone days when you couldn't just pick up your smartphone. So uh, it all sounds funny now, but uh, uh, you know, I I'm I'm not exactly proud that I was late uh, to pick them up at various points in time and that type of
1: oh, so it was just late. It wasn't that dad forgot.
0: Yeah, I didn't forget completely, but <laughs> I was building my, I was building my business and sure. I was always, you know, just 10, 15 minutes late. The meeting got started late. The meeting ended, went too long. You know how yeah. that is
1: in business. Indeed. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing. Hey, Tom, tell us about how the business came to be. And at what point did you have the confidence that you could run your own business?
0: Well, I in the 80s I worked for a great governor in Indiana and was a had had uh, spent a number of years in state government, and I ran what was called Department of Workforce Development, which was an attempt by the governor at the time to to integrate and coordinate education, workforce activities with economic development. Things like elections come along and uh, the uh, Uh, you know, my side lost. And I found out that people don't return phone calls when you're on the losing side of election. But I loved what I did working in economic development workforce. So I just thought, well, I'll do some consulting for a while. And then I'll find a real job. And uh, I I am just so your listeners know, I'm still looking for that real job. uh, 35 years later, but uh, uh, I've been really fortunate, blessed to be able to uh work in an area um uh education workforce and economic development uh and actually make arguably make a living out of it (laughs) fantastic well tell us
1: a little bit more about the company what's the name and what do you guys do how do you help folks
0: well it used to be thomas p miller and associates very poor name but all i had at the time when i went out on my own was my (laughs) name and it was just me back in 1989 and uh so it's uh, we've rebranded recently and it's TPMA, and uh, which actually was an easy rebrand because everybody had long since forgotten my name and called it you know TPMA. so that was easy to get through and uh, uh, we've been we've grown beyond our roots in Indiana, thankfully, and uh, do work all over the country uh, uh, for states and communities in education, workforce and economic development.
1: Fantastic. So for folks who may not know what that means, get just give us a little bit more flavor. Like what, what, what does the business
0: do? How do you help folks? Well um, so states and communities and counties and cities and all kinds of people are constantly trying to figure out what are the new skills and educational credentials needed in the, in the uh, ever evolving economy. So we work uh, both sides of the street so to speak we work with education providers community colleges schools and community development economic development groups to try to match uh, skills and and credentials with the needs of of the work with the needs that employers have
1: yeah fantastic awesome tom share a story where someone pushed you or inspired you that you could do it even though maybe you didn't think
0: that you could and the impact that that person had Well, I I suppose I have to um, go back to the Governor Bob Orr, um, who unfortunately uh, passed away a number of years ago, and uh, his Lieutenant Governor John Mutz, who is still living here in Indianapolis. And they were both great mentors and uh, uh, gave me a lot of tips from their own private sector businesses that they were involved in prior to becoming elected officials. And so there I you know, gained a lot of confidence. Uh, I tried to listen a lot, uh, to them while I was working for them. And, uh, uh, and I attributed a lot of my, uh, you know, being able to stay in this field for so long to things I learned from them. Fantastic. What's been your uh, biggest learning as a business owner? Um, that's a great question. I guess maybe to boil it down to a, to a simple answer. Um, I learned to listen a lot. Uh, people that join the firm and people much younger than I am, uh, you know, talk about, well, how do you sell and what do you sell and, you know, how should I sell? And I, I, you know, I usually just respond by saying, listen, don't sell anything. Listen to what people's needs are, problems they're having, opportunities that they see. So I, I think listening was something I learned uh, early on. Yeah.
1: That's great feedback. Uh, one of the things that we teach in our sales training is is exactly that. It, you know, ask good questions and then listen, you know, shut up and listen to what what the right. prospect is saying and and really understand, right? And ask probing questions and deeper questions and really getting, because, you know, to your point, right, it's not about selling, it's about, you know, figuring out if there's a match between what we have to offer and and what the person needs, and and you only discover that by asking lots of questions and and really understanding. I love that. Thank you for sharing.
0: No, that's I think Tim, what a, what attracted me when you reached out and wanted to have a discussion, as I had, I actually did a little bit of homework and did review some of the basic tenets that you pri- try to provide your uh, um, your clientele, and I think you're spot on with that with that approach. Well, thank you.
1: Hey, um, we know that business success doesn't happen in isolation. So tell us what's um, one of your biggest challenges that you've had uh, over the years and maybe a fellow business owner or a colleague that you know came
0: alongside you and helped you through that. Um, so we're a consulting business. And if, if you're in a consulting business, the, the model, the textbook would tell you that you need to come up with a template and sell it same template to 500 different people or 5,000 different people or whatever that didn't sound very appealing to me <laughs> so so uh I I really wanted to have a lot of variety in my career and be able to work on a variety of different things kind of intellectual stimulation if you will mm-hmm. so I really tried to I tried to listen to the model, but I didn't want to be a slave to the model. So I've, we've constantly been a firm that's had a lot of curiosity and we get into things like one of the hot things we're into right now is childcare, hmm. childcare. And, um, uh, and you could, you and your viewers, well, why would you get into childcare? I thought you were in economic development, education workforce. You you cannot work in education workforce these days, unless you are providing and have options on how people are going to get childcare. And, right, yeah. Oh, by the way, it's not when they say childcare, there's a code hidden code. And what they also mean is early learning. Hmm. It's not, it's not just like in my era um, I'm going to tell on my age here, you know, drop your kid off and hope they had a few, three or four balls that they could kick around. <laughs> or, right. Yeah. It's uh, you know, it's really more about, yes, people want good care, but they also want their child. To be learning and, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's, uh, a, a, well, a variety of skills, you know, mm-hmm. playing in teams, working, all that kind of stuff. So um, we've always been a firm that's intellectually curious and get into a lot of things that aren't readily apparent on the surface.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting that, you know, you said, you know, most people wouldn't think about it, but it is a, a huge bottleneck if, you know, folks if not being able to find childcare is preventing somebody from entering the workforce and, uh, and holding back the economy because there's not enough people that are willing or able to, to come to work.
0: Well, you're exactly right. And, and, you know, um, it's always been a a need as many of your listeners and you yourself know, Tim um, COVID accelerated and exaggerated a lot of things in society one of which is child care mm. i mean people couldn't go to work three or four years ago we were all doing zoom and teams calls and everything else and but the kids were here too doing zoom calls and team calls with education <laughs> yes, you know, yes. and and everybody was saving a lot of money you know yeah. and so okay fast forward here we are today um we're you know mostly beyond um the immediate impacts of COVID, but we're still seeing lingering impacts. that are still playing out. Yeah.
1: And you mentioned, you know, everybody's saving a lot of money. It's hard to go back. Right. And, you know, and have to take on those new, those old costs again.
0: (laughs) Yes, you're exactly right. I mean, and people are like, well, gosh, I performed at my workplace pretty well. I kept the kids. We didn't have to pay, you know, I think I like this world. Yeah. Right.
1: (laughs) Indeed. Hey, Tom, if I, I'm going to put you on the spot here. If I was to ask you to pick three people in your business owner journey, that you're most grateful for them being there to help with your growth, who are those three people and how they help you?
0: Um, well, I'll go in, um, uh, reverse order. Uh, one person that I've met several years ago, um, and actually, uh, just to, you know, this has been widely publicized, but helped uncover some embezzlement at my firm mm. about five years ago, it was a guy that has become my successor. Um, and his name is Mark uh, successful businessman in his own right. He eventually got into some uh, uh, work in Indiana around entrepreneurism. And uh, uh, so anyway, he's been uh, uh, helpful and very instrumental late in my Business about how you optimize a business and mm. sell a business, maybe, and all that type of thing. Um, early on, um, uh, that's so. I'm, I'm thinking I got to go peel back the the memory <laughs> files here and go back. Um, there was a gentleman at uh, Good Goodwill Industries in Indiana um that I actually still do a bible study with his name is Byron Jensen and he's been uh uh he's retired now and and so forth but he was very instrumental um uh, in a lot of ways in helping me understand the needs of nonprofit organizations mm-hmm. um he was a vice president there and uh, the ceo Jim McClellan, at the time both were were helpful to me uh, just to understand more deeply needs of nonprofit how they can grow because uh, the one in Indiana was a particularly successful, uh, actually worldwide model. And as so, those are two uh, individuals that popped to mind immediately.
1: Yeah, fantastic. Um, as you, I'm going to shift gears a little bit and think uh, into the future. So, as you think about the next, you know, one to three years, Tom, what's the the number one point of growth or development or challenge that you see uh, in, in terms of achieving your goals?
0: well um i'm I'm going through an interesting transition that i never really probably planned as well for as i could have i'm i'm seventy two so I'm at a point where i'm i'm trying to uh uh develop a successor mm-hmm. uh name a successor uh leave the firm in good hands and all that we We are just finishing our best year ever well,
1: congratulations. Uh,
0: Thank you. In 2023, um, and it's it's you know not of my making. It's the team we built, and um, and and a lot of different things. That's not to say we didn't make mistakes last year and in other years. But
1: <laughs> sure. Uh,
0: but I find myself at an interesting point that I really uh, I, I don't know that anybody knows how to prepare for, and that is how do you transition a firm and 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 myself. You know, so that's a that's a a daily learning experience for me now. And I would urge younger, younger uh, viewers to uh, uh, not, uh, not kick that can down the road and just, uh, <laughs> you know, put in place a good successor strategy.
1: Yeah. Well, the Great advice. Uh, a lot of folks um, aren't really thinking that far ahead, right? It's more about, you know, how do I, how do I keep building the business and make it successful? And, Right and and tackle you know the next year or two, uh, but it's critical as you just mentioned to to begin with the end in mind right of yeah you know, let's let's clearly identify when what's my goal of what year is the business done and what does the business look yeah. like and you know what am I am I planning to sell it am I planning to pass it down to the next generation. Because if we don't have that clarity, then right, it like you just mentioned it. You we get closer to that date, and it's like, oh, I need to start thinking about this.
0: Yeah. Hey Tim, I know you're supposed to be asking all the questions. I got to mention this. You asked me about who had impacted my life and mentors, and I started with the most recent. And obviously, I was struggling a little bit to go back 35 years ago. There was a, a elderly bank bank president who. Uh, when I was thinking about starting my own business, counseled me. And here's a, the sentence that he used. He said, if you're thinking about starting your own business, don't buy a job, create a business. Yes. And it's stuck with me for many years because it's easy when you go into business to try to, you, you want to create wealth and earnings and things, which obviously we all need on a month-to-month basis. But um, don't try to do it all yourself. Yes. Try to you know, try try to build a business, not just keep yourself busy for 10 hours. a day.
1: Yeah. What, what great advice. The, um, the buying a job idea, right? Usually everybody who initially, you know, goes from an employee to a business owner buys themselves a job. But the problem with that, and you just alluded to it is, Hey, if, if something, God forbid, if something happens to us, And we're the only reason our business works. And we have to be in the hospital for three months. Our livelihood is ruined. Yeah. The other thing of buying a job is we have to show up every day. So, right. We're just trading our time for money and, and we're stuck, right. We can't take vacations. We can't, you know, you mentioned earlier, right. This, the challenges of, you know, having to pick up the kids and right. And having a meeting that goes late. So yeah, if we just have a job, we're always on. Oh, I love that advice. What, what an amazing uh, piece of wisdom so early on as you were uh, you know launching into your business career. Hey, last question, Tom. Jim Rohn, uh, an amazing uh, business guru. One of the things he ha- said was, we become the average of the five people we spend the most time with. So as you think about that quote, what advice would you have for business owners who are trying to do it on their own?
0: That's a great I had never heard that quote. Thank you for sharing that Tim. That's that's very very insightful. Um um it, it brings to mind a couple different things that that I try to do. One one I guess is is a, a rule. I don't know that I'm a good rule follower in life <laughs> at all, much less business life. But um one thing I have tried to keep in my mind is higher above myself. Mm. Higher hire people that are smarter than me, know more than me, you know, can analyze things better, whatever, just don't be afraid to hire above yourself. Don't hire down. So I think that's part of what uh, the gentleman you mentioned was trying to get to. Um, And one other thing that I, I guess some observation that I stumbled into somehow about 15 years ago when I am meeting with a prospect or somebody that might be interested in our services and so forth, as the owner of the firm, you know, and we used to have five people, then we had 15 people and now, you know, we've got 55 or whatever the number is today. Um, I didn't want stuck. I, I may have hit it off with the prospect, but I didn't want to get stuck doing the work. Yeah. you know because maybe I wasn't even the right person. I wasn't good enough analyst or whatever. So I got into a, a mode where as I was listening to people describe their problem or opportunity, I would suggest ways we might be able to help them. But I would also suggest people in the firm mm. that would be very helpful to them to solve the problem or identify the opportunity, whatever it was. So it was not only listening to what they their needs were, but it was also beginning to build a relationship between me and Joe or Sue, whoever in the firm could actually help them.
1: What a great way to make that transition from you're not buying me, right? You're buying my company and I have an expert that within the firm, who's going to be able to take care of you. Right. Right. Gets you out of the, the pigeonhole of, an expectation that they're they're going to be working with you.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a delicate balance, and I don't know that you know I was perfect every time and how I handled that. <laughs> sure. that I, you
1: know. um, the other thing that you you mentioned is you know hire hire people who are who are better than you. Um, I that's an amazing um, attitude because uh, a lot of business owners right have a little bit of a. You know an ego that's what's allowed them to to step out and and you know and become a business owner so i just i'd love to hear just a little bit more about you know how how did you get to that that humble place of knowing that right it, it made sense
0: to to hire smarter people in different areas of the business well that's a good question i guess one one reason i got to that point and this goes back to when i was working for the governor that i've already mentioned and I, at a very young age, I was asked to lead this large bureaucratic government bureaucracy, <laughs> of, you know, 2000 people. And I very much in those days, in the eighties, quality circles, employee, you know, those types of initiatives were, were hot topics. How do you engage and empower employees and all that kind of stuff. And so I, I was a big believer. I drank the Kool-Aid and, um. Uh, so I I felt like well if I'm going to be able to pull this off I've got to have exceptionally bright and engaged and smart people or this is just going to be a classic bureaucracy. So I we you know so I think I've always been a big believer about employee engagement, employee empowerment, that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and um, um, so that's how I got to the hiring smarter than me kind mm-hmm. of thing. And because I'm not a smart person that. Creates a wide pool.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Uh, Another thing that I hear uh, from folks when I, you know, when we talk about that quote of, you know, the, we become the average of the five people we spend the most time with is folks tend to be, you know, timid or afraid of, of reaching out to, to other business owners to, you know, to have a coffee meeting with them because they're afraid that the person's going to be too busy or they're going to say, no. Um, what's been your experience with that or what, what advice would you have for folks who, you know, are afraid of, of, you know, being told no, and, and not, not reach out to other business
0: owners? Well, um, that's an interesting question. I mean, I think you, you, you know, I'm not the, the most, um, I appear to be extroverted, but I'm, you know, and it was part of the question that you asked me to get kind of prep me for this meeting. I appear to be very extroverted, but I'm really not. I mean, I, you know, really probably prefer to be out there working on my garden beds, you know, <laughs> but anyway, on a, on a serious thing, I think you, you have to push yourself. I've had to push myself a little bit and get myself into a little bit of a discomfort zone mm-hmm. and, and, you know, trust my instincts but also push myself a little bit and uh, and I've had reached out to other business owners for coffee or a beer or whatever um and gotten advice and compare notes so you, you know uh don't be afraid to reach out laterally and you know and see what's working for somebody else and uh and uh uh I mean one of the um things one of my uh things that I tell people when I'm interviewing, I, I don't interview everybody anymore. And, and um, every now and then I get involved in an interview is um, at TPMA, you have a chance to create your own career pathway. You don't have to wait for the person to, that you report to to leave or die or whatever. <laughs> right. Uh, you can, you, you know, you can become a, a, a leader in your own right by figuring out new things that we could be doing that relate to our core Education, workforce, economic development. What what are the branches off of that that are really important? Yeah, fantastic. It sounds like Tom that you've been
1: blessed with some incredible people in your business owner journey that have helped you along the way. If they were all here on the show today, what would you want to say to them?
0: Uh, well, first I would say thank you so much for all you did to help during your time at TPMA. Uh, and I would, in as genuine and sincere way as I would I just deliver that simple message. Uh, I would also, and they would not be surprised, they would chuckle, would probably probe, see if they wanted to come back <laughs> and, uh, you know, see if they had some more gas in the tank, so to speak, to, you know, go with this. And actually, you know, we, we chuckle at that. I've actually had several in the last year that have done that. Oh, that's fantastic. So I, I, I know turnover, you know, the textbooks say, turnover's horrible, um, you know, you've got to prevent it at all costs and all that. Well, turnover is like cholesterol. There's good cholesterol and bad cholesterol. <laughs> right? Yes. And, and I've actually encouraged, and I tell people when I'm recruiting them, I say, look, you're going to be, we're a small firm, but you're going to be have a chance to work with governors and mayors and leaders, you know, of various kinds. And The risk I'm running is that I want to deliver exceptionally high quality products and services to them, but they may hire you away from me, Mm -hmm. but, but that's okay. I mean, I, you know, I, I want your time here to be extremely valuable and you, and I've actually had lost people The you know, housing director of Indiana and all these people used to work for me they actually become some of our best clients,
1: right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, I love that. It, that's a, a, for sure, an abundance mentality, right? Of we're going to, we're going to invest in you and grow you and, and you might leave because you're awesome um, versus the, the, the scarcity mentality would be right. We've, we've got to protect and, and somehow keep everybody that we hire with us. So I, I love that you're that philosophy of, yeah, we're, we're, we're investing in you to help you have a better future. And if that means leaving, that's okay.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: Tom, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Thanks so much for being on the show.
0: Well, um, it's been a great, Tim. Thank you for inviting me. And, um, uh, it was great to interact with you. Thanks for listening to the self-made is a myth show. Please help spread this movement by liking and subscribing to our show and following us on Facebook and LinkedIn. To join our movement, go to bemadtogether.com. Okay, folks, that's a wrap. Please pay it forward and be sure to tune in next time to the Self-Made is a Myth podcast.